blessing to be upon your servant this morning, but not only me, but your servants who will be hearing this word as well. May your anointing open up their ears so that they might hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to the church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you say this confession with me? I am a powerful witness for Jesus Christ. Yes, you are. And it's time out that we think otherwise. Um, silence and shame threaten to steal the good news of the gospel from the lost. But God has made us to become powerful witnesses through the gift of his Holy Spirit. So every single one of you, if you would just allow the Holy Spirit to empower you, you will become powerful witnesses for God. And not only will you become powerful witnesses out of your mouth, but your whole life will be a powerful witness to the glory of God. Many of you have been uh, had brushes with death and should not be here. Many of you have had bouts with depression, but God has given you his joy. Many of you, if not all of you, by the way, were once living in darkness, but God has called you into his marvelous light. Many of you were hellbound, but you're not hellbound anymore because you've come to the truth that Jesus Christ saves and you have a living faith in Jesus Christ. You should be able to say, God, I thank you for what you've done for me, but I know some people around me still that have not received that gift of salvation. And I asked the Lord a question a couple of years ago and I said, Lord, why don't I care about sinners like you do? Because the truth is, many of us don't truly have a passion for sinners. Jesus had a passion for sinners. What was his passion for sinners? That he was willing to die on the cross for us sinners. But where is our passion for sinners? We're so quiet. You know, we walk by them. They're in our family. They're our neighbors. They're our co-workers. But yet, many times we are silent. I said, God, why is it that way? Why don't I love them like you love them? And what he told me was this, you need a new heart. You need my heart. In order to love people like God does, you can't do it from your human heart. You got to do it from his heart. So that needs to be our prayer. Can we put our hands on our hearts this morning and ask God by faith? Just say this prayer with me. Father, I'm asking you for a clean heart and the right spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. A clean heart and the right spirit. A clean heart does not love the things of this world. That's what makes our hearts dirty. When we love the things of this world more than we love God, our hearts begin to get dusty and dirty. And the word of God says that if we have love for the world, then the love of the Father is not in us. Maybe we don't love sinners like we ought to because we're loving a bunch of other stuff. Amen? We need a clean heart so that we might love sinners like God does. So we're going to talk about our uh, ability to be powerful witness, witnesses for God this morning through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, we cannot do the work that God is calling us to do. But first, we have to go back to the beginning and find out what happened to us. What happened to humanity? Okay, because there's good news now, but there was some bad news that happened back in the Garden of Eden. We're going to Genesis chapter 2 verses 16 and 17, and we're going to see how death entered the world. And it says, But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And we know that they both ate the fruit, so they both died spiritually. Yes, their bodies were still functioning, but they're spiritually, they died. That's bad news. And how did this happen? It's because there is a deceiver that was in the garden, and that deceiver is still here in the world right now. And some of us could even be suffering from some deception right now. 
Now, you might not be deceived into thinking that Jesus Christ isn't the Son of God, or you might not be deceived into thinking that the Word of God is not true and you should not be be obeying it, but we might be deceived in some other areas. You might be deceived if you say things like, I'm just a little bit too shy to share the gospel. You might be deceived into thinking, well, I'm not a preacher, or I don't know if people will accept me if I share the truth with them. So there's deception that can still happen because the deceiver is still here. I hope you're catching that, that we can have some deception currently going on in our lives. I didn't say sin. I said deception. The enemy can deceive us to believe some things that are not true, and they can affect our marriages, they can affect our health, and they can affect our spiritual lives. Genesis chapter 3, verse 13 tells us about this deceiver. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And she says this, the serpent deceived me, she replied, that's why I hate it. Every time we sin, we've been deceived. I hope you're hearing this. Every time we sin, we've been deceived into thinking that this thing called sin will be good for us, all right, and it will not lead to death. It will not lead to disobedience. It will not lead into displeasing God, but yet we still do it because the serpent is a deceiver. Revelation 12, 9 tells us this. The great dragon... The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. So the the, the enemy is still deceiving the world right now. And as Christians, we have to be careful that we're not deceived. Now, I understand that the economy, uh, inflation is, is the greatest it's been in a lot of years. Gas prices are high, high, as high as they've been in a lot of years. But don't you be deceived. God is still good. And God is still faithful. And God is still going to provide for you. So don't let this bad news come in and deceive you. We don't behave as the world behaves. When you see the world down, that doesn't mean it's time for you to get down because you've already bowed down to the king of kings and lords of lords. We don't bow down to a bad economy. We don't lose our hope and lose our faith and lose our trust because the enemy is deceiving people. But we are not called to deception. We're, to call, we're called to truth. So there we see that the, the, that the deceiver tricked Eve and they died. But not only did we die back then, you see, it was the curse of both death and work. Okay? So not only did they spiritually die, but listen to this curse of work, of labor, of toil that was put on them. We're in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. And here's what God said. And to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow will you have, to, will you have food to eat. Until you return to the ground from which you were made, for you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So the curse was work. Yes, man was still going to live on this earth, but it was going to be hard to make a living. And you were going to have to toil and sweat. So around our lives, men and women of God, there are weeds. And if we're not careful, we'll be so caught up in the hustle and bustle of life and work that we will forget that there is also an invitation from Jesus Christ that comes for us to rest. So now, fast forward 2,000 years, and we know that Jesus Christ came to this earth and that he called his disciples to him, his servants to him. And must we never forget this? Not only are you saved, but you're a servant. And I think that's the great disconnect that that takes the power away from the church. Because we're content, we're so content that we become complacent because we're saved. But salvation is not all we've been called to. Not only are you saved, but you are a servant as well. Can you say this with me? I am am saved saved and and 
a servant. Because if you stop being a servant, you displease God. Because he didn't save you just to preserve your soul. He saved you that others might be saved through your great testimony. He said that you are a light to the world and you are salt as well. So people should just be getting saved all around you. Do you hear what I'm saying? The goodness of God should be so amped up. There should be so much electricity coming through the Holy Spirit in your life that people get saved around you. How is this possible? Because there's so much darkness out there. And you're the light. The world is grumbling and mumbling and complaining about many things, but not you. I hope not you. I hope you're not a grumbler and a moaner and a complainer. Just because they're complaining at work about things, you shouldn't be. The glory of the Lord should be coming out of your mouth. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. Don't you catch the, 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 the virus of, of mumbling and grumbling and complaining. It's contagious. When people around you begin to moan and groan, oh, man, gas prices are so high, I'm going to have to ride my daughter's skateboard to work. All right? When they do all that stuff, you don't begin grumbling and complaining. You just say, oh, man, I praise God that I got a full tank of gas. And even when I get on E, he will supply me. Even if I have to drive with a half a tank or a quarter tank to the end of the week, I'll make it. I know you guys have had great faith when that thing was on E and you needed to get to the gas station, right? They say there's no atheists in foxholes. I don't think there's any atheists when you're on the highway either. When you got to eat, that E is flashing. Oh, Lord, please help me make it to the gas station. We made it, didn't we? And even if we didn't make it, he was faithful to get us going again. I'm telling you that not only out of your mouth are you a powerful witness, but the entirety of your life should be a powerful witness that God is good and that he is on your side and that he is real. So it's not just what we say that makes us a witness, it's what the world sees, right? That you've been through affliction, that you've been through heartbreak, that you've been through loss, that you've been through suffering, but yet God has been with you all this time. So the Lord promises this. So not only did he say that he will save us, but he also said that I will make you to become. We're in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, and it says this. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Can you say, I was? Before the Lord came into our lives, we were a lot of things. But thank God that he has transformed us into what he wants us to be now. It said they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Church, we have to be careful that in our acceptance of salvation, that we realize that when you accept salvation, when you accept the new life, that you cast off the old. But I think our problem comes from this. I think our lukewarmness comes from this. We try to keep as much of the old life as we can and add Christ to it. Okay, I'll stop going to bars and cussing and getting drunk and being promiscuous. I'll stop doing a lot of stuff, but still I'm going to hold on to some parts of my life and just add Jesus to the rest. But it says this, they immediately drop their nets. What they were, they were no longer because they were going to be followers of Jesus. Please get this, church. What you were before you became a follower of Jesus, you have to drop all those nets because we were catching a lot of stuff that really didn't do us any good. We dropped the nets to follow Jesus. So it's not about what you want anymore. It's about what he wants for you because we are now his servants. I think we really need to get that through our minds this morning, that we're not just saved, but servants. Because remember, at the end of time, when we get that little snapshot, that little preview, when he says, well done, thou good and faithful saved person. That's not what he said, did he? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Church, can you say this with me? I am, I am a servant. 
we must realize that we are servants, okay? Because yes, we needed the Holy Spirit to draw us to the Father so that we would receive salvation, but his, his work is much greater than just leading us to salvation. The work of the Holy Spirit is so that we can become that powerful witness in the earth. Our problem, though, is many of us have been lured by the deceiver into fear. That when it comes to witnessing, many of us are afraid. If you will be honest, you can get some deliverance this morning. Do you hear what I'm saying? Some of us are afraid to share the gospel. We're nervous, all right? We're almost, we, we need to call it what it is so that we can be set free this morning. We're ashamed. Maybe we'll tell somebody we go to church. Maybe they know we're different because we don't cuss. Maybe, 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 maybe all these things contribute to them knowing we are Christian. However, where is our witness? Church, we got to get this. Where is our witness? Why don't we tell people about Jesus? What are some of those reasons? Well, I don't know. I'm afraid. I don't know what to say. I'm afraid that I'll embarrass myself. I'm afraid that they will reject me. I'm afraid that uh, they won't like me anymore. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. So that's the dropping of the nets, right? Your old life, you don't, you don't do what you do, what you used to do anymore. You're going to follow me now. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must. That's a command. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Why do we have to take up a cross? Because we have to deny our emotions and feelings. Fear can be an emotion. Anxiety can be an emotion. But if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself and don't allow your fear or your feelings to be greater than your faith. Verse 24. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? So we're going to transition right into a new verse after that. He's talking about that we have the ability to be lost and destroyed if we're not willing to forsake the entirety of our lives and become followers of Jesus Christ. I'm going to forsake the entirety of my life. You see, many of us will, will be awarded for our years of service, service at jobs. And many of us are not timid when it comes to doing our natural jobs. But when it comes to doing your spiritual job, the thing that God saved you for, we're afraid to do it. And the Bible goes on to say this, verse 26, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message, say this with me, I am a servant. I am a, servant. I am a, messenger. I am a messenger. Church, you got to get this. This is how the world gets saved through our mouths. So not only are you Christians who are saved by grace and by faith, but you are messengers as well. And this is the part of Christianity that has churches dying. This is the part of Christianity in which the church has grown weaker and weaker and weaker and the world has grown stronger. It used to be, it used to be that you wouldn't see certain activities on television. You wouldn't see men kissing men and women kissing women on television. But now it's on Nickelodeon. Now it's on the kids' shows that they even have uh, same-sex couples. Why? Because the church has been silent because we have no message. We got our salvation, but we have no message. We're not declaring anything. We've been content with just being saved and saying, I'm not going to hell, and that, that, that's all I need to know. But we're not just saved, we're servants, Right? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, 
The Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Can you say this with me, church, by faith? I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. The power of the Holy Spirit is what will knock the shame right out of your system. The power of the Holy Spirit should be overpowering your own emotions and your own fear. Let's continue. We're in 2 Timothy now, verse, chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. Because faith is going to help us overcome the spirit of fear. We can't stand by anymore and watch our relatives, neighbors, and co-workers go to hell. Because that's exactly what we're doing. Can we be honest? If we don't tell them about Jesus, and we know we didn't tell them about Jesus, then their blood can be on our hands. Let me tell you something. There is nothing harder for me to do as a pastor than to preach a funeral of someone that I don't know if they're going to heaven or hell. And I can't preach a funeral so good that it makes it seem like, oh, this person is with the Father now. Because sometimes I don't know. Because sometimes the person that is lying before me in this box, they didn't have the fruit of being a Christian. So I can't stand up here and lie and say, he's with the Father now. So what I do at a funeral is just preach the gospel to the living. I've got to tell those who are still alive that one day you'll be in this box and you're bound to set after that. There is no purgatory. There is no another chance to get it right. Our chance to get it right is right now, and the world needs this message. They need to hear it from your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. So how are we going to get rid of this fear? Well, first of all, God didn't give it to you. That's the first thing we need to recognize as we get rid of the fear to witness, all right? God didn't give it to you. Second Timothy verse 1, verse 5 I remember, this is Paul writing to Timothy, I remember your genuine faith. Can you say this, church? I have, I have. Genuine, faith. genuine faith. And the reason you have genuine faith is because God gave us all a measure of faith. And God doesn't give counterfeit or generic things to us. He's the father of good gifts, right? So you have been given genuine faith. And Paul is reminding Timothy of this. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. So as your pastor and as the messenger of the Holy Spirit this morning, I want to declare over you that I know that that strong faith resides in every single one of you right now. Take your eyes off fear, reject it, and every time you feel it coming, just say, Satan, get behind me, because I have strong and genuine faith. This is why I remind you because, okay, you've got this genuine faith, but Paul's telling Timothy that I need to remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. Every single one of you, if you've been born again, you have been blessed by the Holy Spirit to have spiritual gifts, but they need to be fanned up. Why do they need to be fanned up? Because they died down. Because if you're walking around just content in your salvation and never even having to use the spiritual gift to share God with people, then that flame is dying down and it needs to be fanned up. So my prayer, God, is that you would fan up the flames of the spiritual gift within this church and your church worldwide so that we might rise up in this dark hour to be the light that you're calling us to be. In Jesus' name. Verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Fear comes from hell. Why would the devil want a Christian to be afraid to share the gospel? So that he can murder the people around them. So that he can keep those around them in darkness and that they would have the same judgment of hell that he will. He keeps you quiet so people can die. He keeps you quiet so your family members can go to hell. He keeps us quiet so our co-workers can go to hell. 
That's why you have that fear. That's why you can't open your mouth. So you might as well picture Satan himself as a snake coiling himself around your head and mouth and squeezing your mouth shut so that you won't say anything about Jesus so he can kill the people around you. So the next time you feel that fear about sharing God, you need to cut the head of that snake off and say, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. And then you allow the power of the Holy Spirit to come up and out of you and, and, and into the ear of the one that needs to hear the gospel. Verse 8. So never be ashamed. Did I read all verse 7? For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline or self-control or a sound mind. So instead of having a spirit of fear, what, you need, what we need to realize as his servants and messengers, that instead I have a spirit of power. Say this with me. I have the power to witness. Say this with me. I have the love to witness. I have the discipline, the discipline to witness. We are not just churchgoers, right? Please. We are not just the saved. We are the servants as well. And verse 8 goes on to tell us this. After we learn that fear doesn't come from God, after we learn that we have power, love, and a sound mind, verse 8 then, right after that in the Bible, you always hear people say this. For the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control or a sound mind. But nobody goes into the next verse. The next verse is so important because you are not just saved, you are servants, right? So never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. Did you even know that verse followed? See, that verse is so popular about we don't have the spirit of fear. But we need to make verse 8 popular. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. So now do you see the correlation between the spirit of fear and being ashamed to tell people about Jesus? Talk to me. Don't make me preach this for eight hours. You better say amen. You better blink. You better do something. All right. I hope you're getting this. Okay. Fear comes from the devil so that you don't tell people about Jesus. He has not given you the spirit to be afraid. He has not given you a spirit of being ashamed, but he's given you power and love and self-discipline. Verse 8, so never be ashamed. Say this with me. I will, I will never, never be, ashamed be ashamed to tell others, to tell others about, my Lord. about my Lord. You got to pump yourself up to do it because fear won't leave you alone. You got to dismiss fear. You've got to have the power of God living inside of you so that fear can be dismissed. Okay? Satan was bold enough to get into Peter while Jesus was on the earth, but Jesus had to dismiss Satan and say, Satan, get thee behind me. You've got to learn how to dismiss the enemy out of your lives because he's going to show up no matter what. Let's continue. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And Paul goes on to say, don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. And now he has made all of this plan to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Church, can you say the good news? Listen to what the good news, what, listen to what Jesus has done for us. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. So listen to what you are the servants of. You are the servants of the good news. 
And because you have the good news, you need to know that there's people out there who are dying in your family, and they are headed to hell in your family and in your neighborhood, but you've got power inside of you because of something that Jesus Christ has done. It says this, he broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. But if, you, if we don't share the good news, then the power of death is still active in people. And the way to life has not been illuminated. Because who is it that will illuminate the path of life? Us. We are his lights. So listen, it's not enough just to say, I'm okay since I am saved. That's not that's not love. That's not love. That's an unbalanced self-love. That's perverted love to say that I love me enough for me to have Jesus Christ as my Savior, but I don't love anyone else enough to illuminate the way so that they might know. Think about this. I pray that God right now would bring some faces to your mind of people that you love, but you know they're not going to heaven if they die today. This is real. We are the body of Christ. So exactly what Christ was doing while he was here, preaching the kingdom, repent and be baptized, since now we are the body of Christ, it is our job to continue his ministry because he is the head and we are his body. May the spirit of fear be broken. What kind of crazy fear is that that I won't tell somebody who's on their way to hell the way out? Does that make any sense at all? It doesn't make sense because it's the devil's agenda. It's the devil's plan. And we have been playing victim to the enemy's plan for us far too long. If we are really the body of Christ and not just a religious organization, then we will carry this message to the world. Let's continue. We must now understand that we are no longer naked and ashamed. You don't have to be afraid. God has clothed you with the power to become a witness. And maybe, maybe it's this. Maybe one of the reasons that we don't witness is because we'll feel hypocritical. Maybe one of the reasons that we don't witness is because we're not truly living the life that we want to portray to the others as we try to win them to the gospel. Because if I'm at work and I cuss people out, it's very hard for me to minister to those people. Or if my neighbor sees me yelling and fussing and cussing and drunk all the time at my house, it's very hard to witness to those people. So maybe part of the reason we don't witness is because we don't want to be hypocritical, but the way to not be hypocritical is to not be a hypocrite. To truly live the Christian life, not just, uh, not just here in this building, but in the world because we are lights as well. So we are no longer naked and ashamed. We do not have to feel uncovered as we go out into this world because God has empowered us. We're in Acts chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. And here's what Jesus said to his disciples, not only the ones that were standing with him, but the disciples that will follow after but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Father, let that marinate. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. So the most important function of the Holy Spirit is not so that you can feel the heebie-jeebies when you're in a worship service. I don't know what the heebie-jeebies are, but I hope they're not something I can't say in church, okay? The power of the Holy Spirit, his main function is to make us witnesses. Say this with me. I am, I am. His, his powerful witness. The Holy Spirit um, 
The church has used the Holy Spirit for many things through the years. There's been many abuses of the power of the Holy Spirit in services, outside of services, and there's just just been a lot of showmanship, a lot of fake stuff happens in churches, and people call it the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit at all. It's 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 just animated flesh. That's all it was. That's all it ever was. Because the, great, because the Holy Spirit is never going to make a fool out of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is never going to make a fool out of God or a fool out of himself. The Holy Spirit's main function is to be a witness to Jesus Christ. And we've got to understand that we've been given power. And you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. So a lot of people say, well, uh, you don't have the Holy Spirit unless you speak with tongues. Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you the tongue that you must speak with if you have the Holy Spirit. The tongue you must speak with if you have the Holy Spirit is this tongue that tells other people about Jesus. That's what makes you a witness. To have the Holy Spirit means, because even the messages that come out in tongues are supposed to be glorifying God. All right? It's supposed to be witnessing to the reality of Jesus Christ and his power. So, and this is Jesus talking. So forget what... It, forget what ministers want to say about the Holy Spirit. Forget what bishops and pastors and everywhere over the world want to say about the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. Would you allow me to please read it one more time? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and into the ends of the earth. So don't you tell me that you have so much power from the Holy Spirit that you can prophesy and that you can give words of wisdom, that you can interpret tongues and you can speak in tongues, but you never tell people about Jesus. That makes no sense to me. Because the, great, the power of the Holy Spirit was to make us witnesses, to, to witness the salvation of Jesus Christ all over the world. Verse 9, after saying this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they, Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. It didn't say that these men were angels. It just said that they were white-robed men, and they had a question for the church that day. And it's the same question God has for the church today. Why are you standing there staring into heaven? That's our problem when we're saved but fail to become servants. We just stare off into heaven. Oh, one day the Lord's going to come back and get me from this place, just staring into heaven. And the men wanted to know, why are you standing here staring? Church, the Lord wants to know this morning, since, since we have, since we will become empowered with the Holy Spirit, we need to know that there's a go in the gospel as well. So what we need to learn today about uh, the Holy Spirit And the day of Pentecost is that they were witnesses there, and these witnesses were present, they were filled, and they were speaking. We're in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, and it says this, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, so they were present. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present, okay, so if you're a witness, you've got to be present, was filled. So we see these witnesses are now filled with the Holy Spirit and finally begin speaking. So if you, when you receive the Holy Spirit, it's because that you are a witness, you were present, You were filled, and now the speaking comes. And they were speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So when they began speaking in tongues, it wasn't wasn't heavenly language. 
When they began speaking in tongues, it was actual languages of the earth that people could understand when they heard. Okay, And so when the people heard this, they marveled at this and said, wait a minute. All of these men are from Galilee, but yet we hear them speaking in our own tongue. All right. And what were they speaking? They were speaking the witness, the message. Okay, we have been made to become powerful servants. And now we have a powerful message as well. We're in Acts chapter two, verses 32 through 33. So here's what God expects you to be doing or saying since you now have his Holy Spirit in him. So listen, okay, so he saved us, right? So we should be saying, oh, God, I am so thankful that you saved me. I was on my way to hell. I was going to be lost. God, I give you my life. You saved me. I'm so thankful. What can I do for you in return? Serve me. Serve you how? Tell others about me. It doesn't stop with salvation, church. We've got to tell others about him. It would be a pity and a shame if you keep coming to this place Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, but that those other six days, there's no activity of servanthood. There's, we're not telling anybody about Jesus at all. So I'm praying right now that that python spirit that has coiled himself around our neck and throat and mouth will be released from this day forward so that the good news can come out of the body of Christ. Because how can we say we're the body of Christ if we never speak of Christ, right? So don't you be happy with just having your ticket to heaven punched because you've got, you've got a pocket full of other tickets with people's names on them. And their holes haven't been punched yet. And why haven't they been punched? Because we have not told them about Jesus. Don't you dare die with a pocket full of tickets with other people's names on them. And God will say, where are they? Where are the ones I gave you charge of? Where are the ones I was supposed to, that were supposed to hear the good news? Where are they? I don't want to see that. I don't want to experience that. I don't want to go through that. So instead of, see, we got to trade fears. We got to trade the fear that Satan tries to give us to the fear of God. So on earth, your fear should not be telling people about Jesus. You should look forward to heaven, and the fear should be having not told people about Jesus. Do you see how we need to flip the fear? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a healthy fear of him, a reverence of God, right? So we need to flip the fear. I'm not afraid to tell people about Jesus. I'm afraid not to tell people about Jesus. That's how we have to do that. So what is the good news? What is the powerful message? Okay, so people were speaking in other tongues on the day of Pentecost, and they were saying a message. Peter gives us a preview of what they were saying. In verse 32, God, so this is what we tell people, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. How many believe that? How many believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? Okay, so listen to this. Now, we need an even greater faith than the one who wrote this, because they were eyewitnesses, okay? But we are witnesses still by faith, right? It's greater to believe having not seen. So you are still a powerful witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ because your faith says so. So you, we must be armed with this good news still. All right, here's what we tell people. God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses to this. You know how I know you're a witness? Because you are nothing like the sinner you used to be. You are a witness because God has delivered you from the enemy's traps of death and filled you with his spirit. You are a living testimony to the reality of Jesus Christ having come to this world and died and being raised again. Verse 33, now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the father, as he has promised, 
gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out on us just as you see in here today. So Jesus dies and goes to heaven and he says, listen, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I must go away. Because what did he have to do? He had to pour out his Holy Spirit from heaven. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful event that although John the Baptist saw God pour out the Holy Spirit on one When Jesus was baptized, now that Jesus is went to be back with the Father, he has given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he said, you know what? I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh in the last days. And that's what we have. That's who we have. And now we have the power to be his witnesses. What else is the good news? Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 41. So this is what we are armed to preach, okay? We tell people about this. So let, and this is what will happen once we do it. Peter says this to the crowd, thousands of people there, okay? That's how you know you got the power to witness. We can't hardly tell one, and he's talking to thousands, right? So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be Lord, to be both Lord and Messiah. Listen to what happened. Peter's words pierce their hearts. Listen to me. When you share the gospel in love to those who don't know Jesus, it's going to pierce their hearts. Okay? And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Listen, I want you to witness this. Oh my goodness, it's a tragedy if we never witness this. Listen, we think they don't want to hear about Jesus, but their spirits are trapped. Their souls are dying inside. Their souls need to come alive, and we've got the light that illuminates the way to heaven. They, Every sinner wants to know God. But the devil, the God of this world, has blinded their eyes. How do they become unblinded? Faith comes by hearing. So when you tell a person about Jesus, it removes the blinders from off their eyes. If the Spirit has called you to do it, the time is right. And it pierces their heart. And they cry out and they say, brother or sister, what must I do to be saved? If we're the body of Christ, we should be witnessing that, right? But we're just so happy with, oh, I got money in the bank. I know I'm going to heaven. I've got a decent car, decent home. I'm happy. I'm just, I'm just waiting to die. We're just waiting to die where people, when people are dying and going to hell all around us. You've got a pocket full of names. These are the people that we need to be witnessing to when the time is right. When the time is right, the Holy Spirit will be there and there will be no fear that you have to give in to. It must be the timing of the Holy Spirit because the time is not always right to give the gospel to someone. But at the urging, the urgency of the Holy Spirit, when he moves you in compassion and say, the time is right. Man, I guarantee you that blood is on our hands. When the Lord says the time is right, tell them now, and we don't do it, that is sin. Because the Bible says, for those who know to do what is right and do it not, to them, that is sin. Church, if we're really the body of Christ, then when he has a thought, we move. Just like your body. When your body has a thought to do something, The body responds. If you're really saved and really have the Holy Spirit inside of you and we are really the body of Christ, whatever he wants, whatever his will is in heaven, his body does on earth. Okay? Verse 38. They they ask, what should we do to be saved? Verse 38. Peter replies. You guys, we need to know this. Okay? You know, for the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm glad you know that. But that only helps you. Right? You need to get in the scripture and study so that you might be able to help others as well. When you read the Bible, it's not just for your growth. When you read the Bible, it's so that you might become powerful witnesses to those who God is sending you to. Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will remind us of all truth. But first, we've got to put the truth in. 
So Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. How do you, turn, how do you witness to someone? You got to tell them you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners. Say this with me. Lord, help me strongly urge my listeners. Okay, thank you. Verse 41, I'm sorry, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. The, the sad part of, uh, of the church right now is that many of us are being entertained by the same things that entertain the world. And that's why it's hard to speak out against some stuff, because we like it too. Mm. It's hard to speak out against something that somebody else is doing if we're enjoying it too. All right, finally, God has made us to become witnesses of the blessing of life and rest. I opened up with the curse of death and work, but since Jesus Christ has came, died, been resurrected, said it is finished, now we have become witnesses to the blessings of life and rest. So, Jesus has offered us life and continues to offer life. In John 10.10, 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So Jesus offers life. We took life as it was offered to us, and now we continue to offer it to others. Jesus also offers rest. We said that the curse was to work and to labor. Even the law that was given through Moses was work and labor to, for salvation. But Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 tells us this. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So now we have been armed to share the good news. At the beginning of the service, you were all handed a piece of paper. If you could get that paper out right now and turn to the page that says life on the front. Love, identity, faith. An eternal purpose. If you're watching online, all you have to do to get this is go to the app, okay? Go to your app store, type in New Life Lima, and pull up today's sermon, and you will see the notes there, and everything, every page that we're holding here, you'll be able to see in front of you after the message. So, church, God has given us eight foundational principles that I teach from here. Love, identity, faith, eternal purpose, and then rest as well. So remember, once we had death and toil, death and work, but now we have life and rest. The life stands for love, identity, faith, and eternal purpose. The rest stands for revelation, empowerment, strategy, and triumph. This is what God has given us. And if you belong to this church and you are becoming, you are being made into a disciple at this church, the way that you disciple to others, the way that you witness to others is that you witness to them through life. Okay, so you can sit down and, and Pastor Jim uh, told me a testimony before when he sat across from a guy and witnessed to him. And before he knew it, he realized that he was just witnessing to him life. So as you go and as you begin emptying that pocket of names that you have and begin telling people about Jesus, this is the format in which you can witness to someone. Are we ready? The L in life stands for love. So the first thing we tell people is about the love cycle, all right? And you can look at your paper, all right? So the first thing you tell someone as you're witnessing the good news to them, you tell them that God loves them, okay? God loves you. And basically, love is an action word. And one sacrificial action forever defines the giving nature of love. 
God gave the life of his only son so that we may live eternally. And we know that John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and that whoever believes on him should not perish, but have, ever, have eternal life. Church, can you say this with me? God loves you. Ah, oh, man, I knew you could do it. You're witnessing. You're doing it right now. That's the first thing you tell someone is that God loves them, right? He, Jesus died for your sins. Is it true? Yes. yes. Don't you ever be afraid to share the truth. This is truth, okay? The next thing that you tell them is that they have to learn how to begin to love God back, right? And how do we do that? Well, the Lord obediently laid down his life for us and in return expects, expects us to love him back by sacrificing our own will and obeying his commandments. So after you tell a person that God loves them, you, got, you have to tell them that God expects us to love him back. And they'll want to know how. And you just tell them that, well, he wants us to be obedient to his commandments. They're not, they're not rules that take the fun from life. They are just guidelines that will let us have true life and be blessed, all right? The third step that you tell them about love is this. You have to tell them that you have to begin to love yourself now the right way, all right? Loving the new creation you've been made to be in Jesus Christ and willingly sacrificing the old. So when we were in sin, we used to love ourselves the wrong way. We gave into all the evil passions and desires of our heart. But once you come to Christ, you begin to love yourself the new way. You love the new spirit, the new man, the new woman you've become in Christ. And then finally, the final step of love that you'll share with someone is you'll tell them that they have to learn to love others, okay? Learning to love others the way God loves us and, and, and the way we love ourselves sacrificially. All right. So that's what you tell them about love. And it might not be all in the same conversation because you are disciple makers. Say this with me. I am a disciple maker. Many times you can't make a disciple in one meeting. OK, but you can begin to tell them about the love of God and they'll want to know more. And after you tell them all about love, the next phase is you tell them about identity. Our new identity is in Jesus Christ once we've been born again. We are uniquely equipped with spiritual gifts and abilities to help us function our eternal purpose. The old self is gone and the new self is found in Christ. And you know the most beautiful, powerful part of, uh, of telling your witness to someone? Your testimony. Your story. I used to be a sinner. But now God has saved me and I have a new identity in him. Then as you continue witnessing to this person, you'll tell them about faith. It's a measure of supernatural ability, causing us to believe God is capable of doing everything he said, absent of visible proof. You tell them about faith, that you know what? Now that you're born again, God has given you the supernatural ability to believe his word and that it is true. And then finally, you begin to tell them about their new purpose, their eternal purpose. Before we were born, God knew us and the calling he had for our lives. Every invention has a purpose, and we are no different. Through love, identity, and faith, we are well equipped to fulfill our purpose and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. By living a life that glorifies God and reconciling the lost, by sharing the gospel. Can you say this with me, church? I am, I am. a reconciler. So, so the people that we carry their names on our hearts, in our pockets, wherever, they owe a debt, okay? Because the wages of sin is death. So if the people we know and never witness to, if they die still having that debt, they go to hell. Because the wages of sin is death. But say this with me. I am, I am. A, reconciler. a reconciler. So what then what you do with that stack of names that are written on your heart, you begin to reconcile the debt. Oh, okay, here's a debt. Tommy, my neighbor Tommy. Tommy doesn't know Jesus. 
and if he dies with this debt, he's going to hell. This needs to be reconciled. So I got to get to Tommy and tell him about the love of God and tell him about new identity in Christ and tell him about faith and purpose. And when I do that, that debt is released, right? He has been reconciled through the message of the gospel. Here's the problem. You think that you got to save people. We don't save anybody. It's the power of the Holy Spirit coupled with the truth, right, that saves people. All you need to do is be an obedient servant. If we are truly the body of Christ, then we're the mouth of Christ as well. And the light of the gospel needs to shine out of our mouths audibly. So it's not only what they see, but what they hear as well. Could you please stand this morning? All of you powerful reconcilers, you powerful witnesses, you powerful messengers, don't you dare agree with the enemy when it comes to the gospel. You are well equipped. You are well equipped to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people because you're living it because Christ is living in you him and the father they have made a home in you and all they want to do is share themselves with the world hear me out it's not you that saves people by sharing Damien I don't share anyone but since God lives in me he will move me with compassion to share himself so he just needs me to walk where he says to walk and to talk when he says talk and he will share himself the Holy Spirit is the witness you have the witness living inside of you don't be silent anymore. You are no longer naked and ashamed. You've been clothed with power and authority. The devil cannot give you fear about sharing Jesus anymore. Your boss needs to hear about Jesus. I don't care how much respect you have, how much fear you have of that boss of yours or the CEO. If they die, they go to hell. So if God gives you the opportunity to witness to your boss, you better open up your mouth and say, God sure loves you. And I pray for you so much, sir or ma'am. That will bless their hearts. It will bless their hearts for them to hear that somebody's praying for them, that God loves you because they got it hard. Do we not remember what life was like without God? It was hard. The Bible says that the ways of a transgressor are hard. No matter what your boss drives or what neighborhood they live in, they got it hard without God. So it's our job to be compassionate and allow these bodies to be living sacrifices to God, which are both holy and acceptable for his reasonable service. He needs you to speak about him. Lima is in the state that Lima is in because the people that know about Jesus are so quiet. Unless they're dogging Lima. We'll dog Lima in a minute, but won't share the gospel of Jesus Christ, which could turn this city upside down. Father, we come to you now as we stand. Holy Spirit, we need your power to witness in this earth. Holy Spirit, you were never given to us just to bless us. And so much it seems like the church has taught that. That the Holy Spirit was our personal blessing. The Holy Spirit came to fill us with power. Power to do what? To witness. To share God. The gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us are not even for us for others so Holy Spirit would you grab a hold of this church and would you shake loose every selfish activity would you shake loose every prideful thought and would you show us what we are really all about Peter preached that message on the day of Pentecost and it said that 3,000 souls were added to the church 3,000 from one service, one sermon, one message. How long have we been a Christian? 
And have we even led three people to God? The reason we're not leaving, leading people to God is because we're silent. There's no such thing as a silent witness. If you were called into court to testify and you stood there or sat on the bench and the lawyers begin to ask you questions as a witness and you didn't say anything at all, you could be held in contempt of court. So Father, we don't want to be held in contempt. We want to be witnesses. We are the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was not afraid to witness in this earth. Jesus Christ touched leopards. Jesus Christ was uh, not afraid of the man that had a legion of demons in him. Jesus Christ represented the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. He was not silent. He spoke up. If any of you with or without sin, let them cast the first stone. And she was saved because he was not silent. May we stop being judgmental. And may we begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, which illuminates the way to life because the power of death has been broken because Jesus Christ has done this for us and the world needs to know it. Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this church right now who would like to rededicate their life to Jesus Christ or even be saved for the first time, God, that you begin to work on their spirit right now. 